0: To the Overgivers Anonymous podcast. My name is Angela Mondor, also known as the Geeky Girl. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about some amazing things to help you get over overgiving. Hi, And welcome to this episode of the Overgivers Anonymous podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about something that maybe you might disagree with. And that's okay. I appreciate people disagreeing with me. I want to talk to you about your team and how your team is an asset to your business, Okay. Dare I say it's a business asset and no, it doesn't make you an asshole. If you think, if you believe in it and if you agree with me, I hope that you will agree with me in the end, actually. Um, I think it's a very good debate conversation to be had. And I appreciate that most people think of assets, like things that you own, right? Like if you think about a business asset, you think about like, you know, the computers you have, or maybe intellectual property or those kinds of things. I want you to take you just, just deviate from that line, just a little bit. You know how much I love to think outside the box an asset. If you were to go and look up and and check this out in a synonym, like look for the synonyms or like a look at the, the sources on asset. Although yes, there are things like credit, right? There's also a resource, could also be a blessing or a treasure benefit. Okay. Your team, I mean, in my humble opinion, my team is a blessing. My team is an amazing resource. My team has Given me so many benefits, uh, and they provide massive service to not only myself, but also to um, my clients. So, I want you to think differently when you think about your team being a business asset. I'm not talking about owning them, I'm not talking about like literally owning people and making them do things like robots. That's not where I'm going with this. Think about your team as this massive benefit to you and your clients. And then I would hope that, you know, you're also hoping that you could be a massive benefit to your team as well. So let's dive in, shall we? When you think about your team and how you can make sure that your team is, in fact, a fantastic asset for your business, I want you to think about something. People think about having a team and they say, oh, my gosh, like, I waste so much time and money on my team. It doesn't seem to be, it doesn't matter what I do, no matter who I hire, It always turns out that I pay double for what I need and they never get it done and I have to do everything all over again. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Because here's the deal. There's a way around that. Yes, it does cost you, right, to onboard your team. We'll get into that a little later. But when you're trying to put your team together, in order for you to not waste your time or money, it's important for you to make sure that you have team members who are, the right bums in the right seats. And wasting money and time generally means that your team members are not on (laughs) the right bus sometimes. Maybe they're not, they don't have the right bums in the right seats. That is in fact, one of the biggest problems that I see in businesses on teams is that you have people who maybe they're great people and maybe they do great things, but you're asking them to do something that's outside of their circle of brilliance. Um, or maybe they haven't realized, self-actuated, self-realized even uh, what their circle of brilliance is. However, you know, making sure that you open those lines of communication, you can make sure that you're ensuring that your team members are, in fact, got the right butts in the right seats. Now, team members also need to be really, really clear about your expectations of them, and it's important for them to know, Um, what you need to be clear on their expectations of you as well. It's a two-way street communication. It's funny how that works, right? So it's not a dictatorship. We want to make sure that our team members are comfortable bringing us conversation and that we're comfortable having conversations with them too. That doesn't mean to say there aren't going to be difficult conversations because there always will be at some point. You know, you step over their boundaries, they step over yours. It happens in business, in relationships as a whole, but it's important to address that before it becomes an elephant in the room. So making sure that they are clear on your expectations. So when you give them a job, they understand what it is. If they don't understand, then it's really important that you are open and willing to listen to them to come to you and say, hey, you know that thing you gave me? Yeah, I'm not so clear. And lean into that. Make sure that when somebody brings something to you, you're willing to hear them out. Sometimes what happens is you think you've been clear and you've given something to a team member and the team member bounces back and says X, Y, Z. And you're like, but I already told them that. Like, how could they not get it? It's a time for pause. So in Stephen Covey's seven habits, one of those habits is seek first to understand before being understood. It's a total mouthful. I get it. I should think about that. We'll just walk through that slowly. Seek first to understand before being understood. So, if a team member comes to me and they're like, I don't quite get this, what did you give me? My job, in my opinion, is to to understand their perspective first before I try to get them to understand where I'm coming from, before I try to understand them, try to get them to understand what I'm saying, I want to hear them first. Okay. Explain that to me. If I don't understand, I need to ask more questions and they need to tell me more. And if I don't still don't understand, I need to ask more questions. I need to understand where they're coming from first before I can get them to understand me. And here's what that looks like. When somebody comes and brings something to me, maybe I've given them a task and they come back and go, don't quite get it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how else can I explain this? Right? Well, what don't you get? Is there any part of it you do get? Are there other pieces that are missing? And then, so you get to the point where they're now telling you, oh, well, this is good, but that's not. Okay. So, does it make sense for me to tell you it this way? And if they're like, no, that still doesn't make any sense. Okay. So, if I told you this and I told you that, so does, you know, what part are we missing still? Always seek first to understand before being understood. It is probably one of the hardest habits in all of those seven to really, really get to. And the reason why it's so difficult is because our brains generally are trying to formulate an answer before we've heard the entirety of what the other person is speaking about. And you've probably heard, if you think about it now, and if you spent time working on seeking first, which is the short form, then when somebody's talking to you, like if you're in an argument with your spouse, or maybe you're having disagreement over what to eat for supper or whatever, as they're speaking, you're starting to formulate your answer in your brain. And you can hear yourself generally speaking about this before the other person stopped. What that does is it doesn't allow you to hear them out, even though they're still speaking to. you, And even though you might be listening with one of your ears, your brain is already formulating an answer. So instead, it's really important to quiet the mind, not listen to your answer and listen to them first before you formulate an answer. Like I said, it's one of the hardest habits to get your brain around. And no, I, I'm not perfect at it. I don't know anybody who is perfect at it. It's one of those things that I like to work on, though. I think it's very valuable in relationships to do that. And when I catch myself, I always smile. I think, geez, you know, I just caught myself doing that again, not seeking first. Um, so thinking about that as being one of the tougher habits, but this is a basis in communication that's going to be so, so valuable to you. So the other thing is not investing in training. A lot of times when somebody, you know, is putting to, you know, if you're putting together your team and maybe you've gone through a few people or, um, you've, tur- you've had some turnover on your team and you just like, I don't understand it. I just keep giving these people things to do when they don't know do it right or whatever. One of the things, obviously the seek first will help. To some degree. But the other side of it is investing in their training. That doesn't mean to say you have to buy them a course. That doesn't mean to say you have to put them through school, although that can be valuable with your team, depending on the need on your team for that. But investing in training could simply be training them how to do the thing that you want them to do. And training isn't, oh, here, I'll do it, and then you can look and see how I did it. Sometimes we have to sit and walk the walk with them. We have to sit beside them and walk through it with them. And sometimes it's hard to have patience. I'll admit, I mean, most people say that I'm quite a patient person, which kind of makes me laugh because I always feel like I'm not very patient, but um, I work really hard at being patient with people. And when, you know, these things come up and you're like, but I've got 17,000 other things to do. Ah. <laughs> Having, taking the time to just take a breath and really invest In your team to show them, hey, let's walk through this together. I'd like to show you this situation. Whether that means you jump on a five minute zoom call with them, or you walk down the hall to their office, depending on, on what the structure is of your business. That's going to help you. You take those three things. And that'll help you to stop wasting your time and money in your business. Because when you hire somebody now, you are going to make sure that they're the right person, right bum, right seat. Um, You're going to make sure that our expectations are clear on both sides, and you're going to make sure to invest in them. And those things alone will help you when it comes to wasting time and money. So the other piece to this is, is this concept of your team should be making you money, not costing you money. A lot of times business owners are like, oh my God, I'm working so hard to pay my team. I don't even have money to pay me. I mean, that's a pitfall that's really, it sucks if you're in that pitfall. Uh, It sucks if you're part of that. I encourage you to take a few steps back and really, really invest in looking at your finances. I'm going to talk to you about being a CEO, CEO in a bit. And part of that is being able to step back and see the whole. But when you are looking at your team and you are constantly pay, 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 pay for your team, but your business isn't making money to recoup the costs of paying for your team, there could be an issue. Now there are certain phases in your business where you will have these ebbs and flows where it'll cost more in team member than it does to bring in, or, you know, other times when you're more flush, it depends on what you're working on and what you're growing. Okay. So there are times when you will be expending more money than you're making, but it depends on what you're doing. It's sure it shouldn't be a lifestyle. Okay. Like your team should actually help you make money. So it does cost you to onboard your team. So this is one of those ebb and flow moments. So you bring somebody new on your team and you are going to need to spend time with them. So there is going to be an outlay of time, time, this money and you. So there's going to be this extra time that you're going to spend with your team members to make sure that they're onboarded. Of course, if anytime your team member, even if they're working for the company, but they change roles, you're going to onboard them to the new role. There are some times when that's going to be the case. Now, When you do get your business set up properly and you have processes and procedures and you've got a system that you can walk your new team members into, it will cost less for you to onboard new people and to onboard people into new roles simply because you have that support system to be able to say, here's how we do things. Here's a direct line of A, B, and C in order to get you all the way down to X, Y, and Z so that you can put this together and make it easier on yourself to onboard team. So if you don't have processes and procedures and systems in place right now, it could cost more to onboard those people, but that doesn't mean to say it's not valuable. Once you get that processes and procedures and systems in place, it will take less time, but still it'll take time. Okay. It's still going to take money and time to onboard new team members. That's just the truth of it. You ask any business owner, whether they're running a McDonald's or whether they're running a multi-billion dollar car company, it doesn't matter. Regardless of who you're onboarding, there's always going to cost money in onboarding. So this is why team turnover is really so financially draining on a business. So treating your team, like a business asset, treating them like the gift that they are, treating them like people who you want to grow your business with and not having such a high turnover is going to help you to become much more financially secure inside your business, of course, and bring your profits up as well, because you're not going to be having that high turnover for client uh, for team members. Now, micromanaging your team is one of those ways where you're really going to lose money. This is going to turn your, maybe you have a fantastic team. Maybe you have an amazing team that does all kinds of really great things inside the business. And it's just that for some reason, you just can't let them go do their thing and you constantly have to check in on them. Well, you're wasting time and you're wasting money and you're not allowing your team to make you money. And you are in fact, causing your team to cost money. When you are micromanaging people, not only are you paying them to do the work, but then you're going to spend valuable time redoing their work that just costs you tons of time and money so i encourage you to think about that the difference between micromanaging something and being able to truly trust your team members to be able to zoom out and allow them to take their roles we're going to talk a little bit more about that too but that's a valuable piece if you're micromanaging them it's your team will definitely cost you money and it just comes down to the fact that you honestly you either don't trust them or you've got something going on inside your own head that's causing you to not allow yourself to let go. And when we have that piece and we all go through it, this is a part of our business. It's one of those things that we have to learn. And sometimes we need to relearn is that having all your fingers in all the pots doesn't make sure that everything gets done. In fact, a lot of times, if your fingers are in all the pots, it causes a bottleneck somewhere so that people aren't able to get their work done. It also causes some dissension. People don't feel like you trust them enough. Uh, they don't feel like you are giving them the true kudos for their own personal work. And sometimes they will continue. They'll start to say, hmm, does she really? do they really need me here? Like, am I really an asset? Ask yourself that question. So you got to trust in your team. And when you trust in your team, that's when you get to increase your profits because when you trust in your team and you trust yourself to let that go, everybody's plate becomes a little less. Your plate becomes less simply because now you've allowed other people to take on their roles, allowed them to do what they have to do. Now you have time to actually spend doing other things in your business that nobody else can do. By trusting them and allowing them to do their work it means that you're not also going to be doing their work. Yikes. The whole reason why you have a team is so that you can have more time, not because you need people to babysit, right? That's not the point. So trust in your team, trust in your team to allow them to do what they have to do and it will increase your profits. Now, I know that you are generally speaking, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a heart-centered business owner. And you over give to everyone and you're working on your boundaries. And I get you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm working on mine too. Not every day is good, but most days are great. Okay. So of course you're not using people. <laughs> I hear this in business owners. Like, oh, I don't want to think of them as assets because I don't want to use them like things. Well, of course you don't. You're treating them like people. And you do want to have that relationship with them. You're not somebody who uses people. So, I mean, get that out of your head. But if it's stuck in your head for some reason, let's talk about it. Because perhaps you felt used by other people that you've worked for in the past. And maybe that's why you're worried about it. Maybe you're worried that if you felt that way about working for somebody else, somebody else might feel that way about working for you. And I'll say, embrace that. Okay. Use those experiences that you've had in the past with other business owners who maybe you felt used by and then use those experiences to create a team culture that you would have wanted to have been part of. Create the dream team, create the thing that, this group of people that you wanted to be a part of at that time and yeah, you know what? You won't be using them, no way in hell. And it's true, you are buying time from other people who work in your business, but when you support them and you ensure them that they're working on tasks that fill them up, they're really enjoying what they're doing, you're gonna create an environment that they wanna be part of. And you're gonna create happy coworkers. You're gonna create happy team members and happy team members love to do the work, okay? So they're gonna be happy working for you. They will be much more productive than people who aren't happy. Think back to you know if you were in that place where, you felt used in that business, how much work did you want to produce? If you've ever been on a team where you were supported and cared for and lifted up and that you were coming into work every day, working on the things that you loved the most, guarantee you got more work done. Okay. So no, you're not using people. Okay. You're building a relationship with people. You're creating an amazing team together. Now, let's get into a little bit of the business piece because, you know, people talk about this all the time about how all oh, you need to be the CEO in their business and da-da-da. And I agree. I think that there's different different ways to look at this. In my humble opinion, I believe that a successful CEO of any company is able to keep an eye on the whole business while allowing their whole team members to take ownership of their tasks. I want you to think about a large business, large business with a CEO. They're not... so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what I know best. The automotive industry is something I spent a lot of time in. So the CEO of an automotive industry business isn't going to be worried about whether or not the wash bay guy is uh, you know, vacuuming out that car exactly the way it's supposed to be because the CEO knows they have other people in the chain to make sure that that gets looked after. And they believe in their team members to be able to train and to look after and support the Wash Bay person so that they're getting their best training and they're being able to be creating their best job and do their best job so that the clients are happy. So that's what I see when I think about a a CEO, somebody who I can look up to. Sometimes we think of CEOs And I know I used to, years ago too, I I used to think of a CEO CEO and think, oh God, they're so full of themselves and, oh, they're, you know, generally boys club, blah, blah, blah. And then I got some, a chance to really look at the concept of a CEO and what, what was, what did a CEO do? And if I was to be a CEO, what would the best CEO I would want to be? And it is this, it's literally to be able to support the people who are supporting the people who are supporting the people who are looking after the work. Now, in our businesses, as small as they are, typically we're looking after the people who are doing the things. There's not so many, there's not so many layers between us and our team. And we have more of a hands-on approach, so to speak. That doesn't mean to say that we have to have our hands in the pot, though. We don't have to know exactly all the little ins and outs but it's important for us to keep an eye on the entire business as a whole. I also believe that a CEO is there to provide stability for your team so that they can learn to trust you, ensure that they know that you have their backs and that you're willing to provide them with what they need to be successful in their roles, to be open to hearing from the people inside the roles inside your business so that you can support them and create and grow with them. Now, when your team trusts you to have their back, when you've conveyed this and when you've not only said it, but you've also backed it up with your actions, then they're going to give you all their support in return. It's the most beautiful relationship in business that I have ever witnessed. And I, I've run many teams, not just my own in my business, but I've also run business. I've run teams in corporates situations as well. And I can guarantee you that every single time that I have built a team based on trust based on having my team members' backs, they were all, and they are, my team's amazing, they are able and willing to provide their contributions to the business in such a massive way and ensuring that they understand that their contributions are valuable, important, and that when the business is more successful, they will also become more successful as well. Once this happens, if you've never been part of it, if you've, if you've never been in a team like that, I'm sorry. I really am. But if you think, oh my gosh, that's not possible. It can't happen. I can tell you I've, I've created so many, so many teams just like that. It is p- not only possible, it's probable. Okay. So let's talk about maybe a couple different things that'll help you to, to be able to get to the side where you can create a team like that. The number one thing I want you to think about is your business isn't the cookie cutter version of everything else that everybody else has. So when you think about, oh, what is, what is a CEO? You don't have to be a CEO like Elon Musk. You don't have to be a CEO like, I don't know, you know, like any of those people you see in social media or online about who those CEOs are that maybe you're thinking about CEOs that do bad things. You don't have to be that CEO. And maybe you've never been a part of a company culture that was amazing, but that doesn't mean to say that your company culture has to be like that. Your version of your company culture, your version of the type of team you want to build, your version of the type of CEO that you want to be is all up for debate. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like the other person who's running their business two streets down from you. It's your business and that's the most beautiful part. So the truth is that it's more important than ever for you to connect to your own values, your experiences, create the type of company that'll work best for you. When you do that, when you do connect to yourself and you understand what are your no-goes, what are the things that you value the most and you start to build your business, Okay, notice I said business first. When you start to build your business around those things, then start to think about bringing in team members. Now you will start to attract the right people into your team that also believe in your values and and, uh, enjoy what you've built as a company culture. And now you can work together to be successful. Work together to be successful. So I'll leave you with this. Remember that this habit... Although the most difficult, in my humble opinion, the seek first to understand before being understood is one of those things that's going to help you build your trust, your communication, and allow you to be able to ensure that everybody on your team has what they need so that you can understand what they need before you tell them what you need. That you need to understand what is your truth so that you can build the version of company culture that you want to have in a business, that you can build a team that supports you and who lives and breathes and succeeds inside the type of company that you want to build and that you become the CEO. You are the guiding light inside that organization. You be the person that everybody wants to follow. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Overgivers Anonymous podcast. Your support means the world to me. You can find show notes for this episode and other goodies at overgiversanonymous.ca. And if you enjoyed this episode or you enjoyed the podcast in general, why not join us in the Overgivers Anonymous Facebook group, where you can connect with overgivers from all over the world. Head on over to geekygirl.ca slash group.